The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. He's coming up here shortly, as is Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. We got a lot to talk about. South Carolina coming up for Ole Miss on Saturday, but also COVID has rocked the SEC. Barrett's here to make sense of it, and Brad's here to talk about the Senior Bowl. Two high-profile Rebels, Royce Newman, Kenny Yeboah, earned Senior Bowl invites. They're done as Ole Miss Rebels after this year. What does that mean for the roster moving forward? So much to cover, plenty of time to do it. But first, let me tell you briefly about my bookie. Late fall college ball, the NBA bubble, and UFC Fight Island. It's clear 2020 has been a year unlike any other, which is why you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. Get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first-time customer or been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use my promo code, TOC, for Talk of Champions, TOC, to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 into your account. If you are already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. Remember the promo code, TOC. Talk of Champions, T-O-C. It's winning season at MyBookie. So come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up.
This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. I don't care what you say. Just make sure it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest coming to us on the Modern Women phone line, it's Barrett Salee, National College Football Writer for CBS Sports. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? LSU and Alabama, after Barrett and I recorded, has been postponed. It was postponed. What do you make of all this COVID stuff right now? Um, you know, I mean, it's obviously it's been been happening all year. I mean, to this happen multiple teams, it's just one of those things where we're gonna have to just deal with it and um, you know, if there's enough to play, you'll play. If not, then then you don't play. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I mean, the year's already a little bit different with it being ten games. And um, you know, it's just one of those years that they say they say it's a don't count year. So I mean, they're going to have to do what's best for the safety, <clears throat> safety of the players, and and more or less because they're they're liable for their health. So um, it's unfortunate, but it's something that's just going to be dealt with. The SEC's protocols for finding discipline, it's so inconsistent. A hundred thousand dollar fine for Ole Miss for failure to follow mask protocols on the sideline or something, and you've got all of these programs: LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn dealing with outbreaks in their programs, causing them to miss games. Ole Miss has not missed any games. Where are the fines? Maybe, 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 maybe we should just be sympathetic towards the SEC because this is certainly a once-in-a-generation thing. Never seen anything like it before. Probably will never see anything like it again. Having said that, Lane Kiffin gets fined $25,000 for trolling on Twitter. The exact same fine that Dan Mullen got for inciting a fight. And Ole Miss, again, has not had to miss any games or any real time due to COVID. And yet, around the SEC, a lot of programs are dealing with outbreaks and actually causing games to be missed. LSU and Alabama, that has been postponed. And if you remember, LSU already had a game that got pushed back to that week before the SEC championship game that would allow for games to be made up. So when this game can be made up, if it can be made up, is anyone's guess. Auburn and Mississippi State postponed. So if you look at the slate, Omaha, South Carolina, kinda, kinda, is the most interesting of the slate. Yeah, I wonder if Lane knew what he was signing up for whenever he uh, when he came to Ole Miss. The, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, this dude gets fined twenty five thousand dollars for a tweet, and there's no telling if he even actually sent it. There could be people actually tweeting for him, and then you know, coaches out there in the middle of the field acting acting an absolute fool, he gets the same fine. So. Uh, welcome to Ole Miss Lane. It's it's never fair, never going to be. It always seems that way, that it's Ole Miss. I'm not trying to play victim. I'm not trying to play like Ole Miss is being abused. But at some point, it kind of makes you put on your tinfoil hat, is all I'm saying. Because I would say that this weekend's best game now is Florida and Arkansas and Gainesville. But Sam Pittman is not going to coach in that game. Why? Because of COVID. <laughs> Ah, it's chef's kiss is what it is. Because Ole Miss always gets dealt these weird hands. We still don't know anything about Otis Reese and there's four games left. I'm just saying, it's weird. I'll tell you what's not weird. Ole Miss had two players that on Tuesday received their invitations to the Senior Bowl. Royce Newman, Kenny Yaboa. Royce Newman has already announced that he's not coming back next year. Every player has the opportunity to come back next year. I would think that Kenny Yaboa, through his announcement, is pretty much guaranteeing that he's not coming back. 
accepting the invitation to the Senior Bowl, it's all but saying, I'm declaring for the NFL draft. So knowing that, what do you make of them leaving and getting their Senior Bowl invites? And just overall, big picture, what does it mean? Yeah, I mean, Yaboa, I could, I can see that one. I mean, he's a transfer, probably a little bit older guy. He's, he's definitely fits the mold. He's a, um, I think he has a chance to really get drafted high, just, just off of sure potential one and two. He's really showed that he can, he can be a, a pretty good threat in the passing game. I think, I think somebody's going to really like him. He'll be drafted pretty high. I don't know about Royce. I mean, that that one kind of surprises me. Um, but, but what, what may have happened there is um, a lot of times you're able to go out and kind of poke around and see what you would be drafted or, or, or if you would be drafted. But I'm going to tell you this right now. If you get an invite to the senior bowl, it is very rare that you, that you don't get drafted, um, you know, in the, in the you know, top five rounds, which is, is, is pretty intriguing for, for someone like that. So yes, yeah, so something tells me, I, I definitely didn't see that. I thought Royce would get a chance. I didn't know he was like a senior bowl type of guy. I probably need to watch him a little more, but, I, but I have been impressed with him multiple times so I can see what they're seeing especially because he has such a good build for a tackle and um you know that that position just isn't that they're they're hard to find in the NFL now so um it looks like it looks like he has some good advice and and judging off the senior ball invite invite he um he he looks to be a draft pick a pretty 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 solid draft pick it's obvious if you're in Royce Newman's position that regardless of whether or not you get drafted or not coming back will do you no good once you get the Senior Bowl invite, that's basically saying this is the best time for you to go pro. This is when your draft stock will be at its highest. Because when you look at Royce Newman's body of work, we've talked about this before. It's his versatility that makes him so intriguing. He can play both tackle spots. Now, he's better suited for right tackle. But in a pinch, he can play left tackle. He can play both guard spots. The bottom line is, when you look to the NFL... Versatility is key because there's a very select few number of roster spots, especially on game day. 53-man roster. If you can be versatile, if you can provide depth and do it competently at four positions on the offensive line, that is appealing. And I say that because I have compared him to you well before you became the co-host of this podcast. Royce Newman reminded me of you. You should have been a right tackle your entire career. You had to play left tackle, but because of that ability to play left tackle and right tackle and play guard. You had a career for eight years. These kind of guys are made for this modern day NFL. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I would, I would argue that's the only reason why I played so long is because I could do so much. Cause once you, once you get in the NFL, you have your five starters and those guys are typically your high end guys and they all are very position specific. So like, for instance, you look at the Bears. Bobby can only play right tackle. All those guys are very good, and they're only going to ever play that position, the starting five. Well, your next two or three linemen, you have to be able to play at, at least four, four positions, and one of the guys has to be able to play center in both guards. So um, it doesn't matter. You could have a guy that is very good. Like, like say, Bobby's very good at right tackle. And then say there's another guy that's just as good as Bobby right tackle but can only play right tackle but could not beat Bobby out. He won't even be he won't even beat the swing guy out that he is way better than because he can't play the left side or he can't play guard or he can't play center. I've seen that happen multiple times. There's been multiple guys that were actual better right or whatever tackle than me, but they couldn't do as much stuff. So so therefore you're correct. Versatility is huge. And on top of that, I tried to long snap. I try to do it all just just to try to get an edge on on every guy that, that I knew would be a swing type of guy or a, a good good ball player. 
That's why a guy like Cam Irving can stick in the NFL for so long, even though he's not particularly good. It's about competency. It's about being able to play multiple positions. Kenny Eboa, we knew he was a draft pick. And I think it's fair to say at this point, with only four games left, regardless of how he finishes, he's far exceeded expectations. If I made you pick who's the number two option behind Elijah Moore, I think if you polled 100 Ole Miss fans, probably the vast majority, I know you and I would say this, Kenny Eboa is number two. And that receiving ability, we wanted to see it, but now that we've seen it, then you start looking at the other aspects of his game that make him a good overall tight end. Put him in a better offense that he didn't have at Temple, watch him perform, and do the things that tight ends are supposed to do, like catch balls, run really far, you know, put up yardage. But can you block? And Kenny Yebo, you've watched him very, very closely. He can do this, and he can do it at a next-level type of way. Yeah, watching Yebo throughout the year, um, there have been times where he, ha- he has struggled blocking, but I think when it, whenever he you know, actually puts a little bit of focus and time in it, he shows he can block on there, which once he gets to the NFL, he'll have to do that more consistently. But, but there are times on there where you can see where he, where he, whenever he decides to block, because blocking for a tight end is a mindset, man. Most tight ends want the ball, but most tight ends are big enough to actual, actually block too. And um, he's one of those guys who, who at times this year has really blown some guys up and looked really good blocking. There's other times where it looks like he just wants the ball. But um, for the most part, he's got the ability, and that, that that's all they look for when they're evaluating a tight end. Hey, can he receive? Can he be a difference in the pass game first? Second, does he have the ability to block? Maybe he doesn't look great sometimes blocking, but does he show signs of, hey, if if it comes down to it and I, and I need him to block, could he block? Yeah. And um, Kenny Eboa can certainly block. He can certainly do that. I was looking at the roster after news came about these senior bowl invites to Royce Newman, to Kenny Yeboah. And I tried to look to next year. And I know that Ole Miss still has games left to play. But when you're looking at the roster and how it'll be constructed next year, there are three phases that we've talked about on this podcast already. So if I'm rehashing something, I'm sorry. But recruiting, obviously, with the December and then February signing periods. The new transfer market that will be opened up in January when the one-time penalty-free transfer goes through. And then re-recruiting your current roster, if you believe some of these draft-eligible guys can help you. If you're not able to, as a first-year staff, to really make hay in high school and junior college recruiting like you'd want to, well, then players on your roster that maybe had a good year but could use one more year, and every kid is getting one more year of eligibility because the NCAA provided them that in response to COVID-19. If you can get a kid like a T. Tisdale back, that kind of stuff really starts to matter. And then you start to supplement your roster with transfers and the two classes, well, just one class, but the high school class that you sign with your current roster, you can really rebuild this thing pretty quickly. And that's something that you and I have tried to reiterate over and over again. It's different now. The transfer market has made this different to where rebuilds can happen pretty fast. It's no longer tear it all down, take one, two, three years to get the Coaches guys in here. We always hear that, right? Wait till he gets his guys in there talking about his recruits. Well, now you can do it with one class, especially if you can attack the transfer market in the right way. It also speeds up an already expedited timeline to where if you look across the landscape of the SEC, you get three years as a head coach. Three years. Right now, this moment, Jeremy Pruitt is on the hot seat at Tennessee. He's been there three years, less than three years. This is his third year. 
But losing the way they did to Arkansas hurt him. So now he's on the hot seat. There is no waiting for a coach to rebuild things. And that timeline is going to be sped up even more thanks to these many different multiple avenues in which to rebuild programs, to rebuild rosters much more quickly. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's there's so many different ways now to, to build a team, which is, you know, some of it's good, some of it's bad. I mean, obviously I, I, I'm old school, so I would, I'd want a kid to go in and sign with the school, you know, compete, try to fight it out and see, you know, how, how good they can get at that school. But, but now if you look at it, I mean, it's, they're out there. The transfers are out there. You can, you can have a bad recruiting class, so, so to speak. You can you know, be, you know, number 40 or 35, but you mess around and get five or six high end, you know, transfers that, that, that were good players at one time for their school. And you, you, you won't even notice. I mean, it, it would look like you actually, actually recruited some guys in there and got better. So yeah, it definitely changes the landscape of, of, you know, college football recruiting and, and all that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. The only guy on the roster, not named Royce Newman and Kenebo that I a hundred percent know is going to go pro is Elijah Moore. That's a duh guy that's going to go pro, but you look at other guys that there is a question of whether or not they should go pro. Now, I am completely pro player. If you feel it's your time, then go. Don't worry about the rest of the noise. Don't worry about what I say, what anybody says, because everyone has their own particular agenda or interest in mind when they're talking to you about these things. So go if you feel it's your time to go. But let's look at this. You're a junior. Usually that means you have two years left to prove you're an NFL player. Well, now you have three. Jacquez Jones, you have an extra year of eligibility. Ben Brown. Ben Brown was a guy that came into this year we all projected as a potential early entrant into the NFL. Well, as a center, he doesn't have the same draft stock as he does as a guard because he's proven that he still needs time to develop as a snapper. Now, he moved to center involuntarily. They basically said, you're the center now. He didn't really get a say in it. You do get a say in whether or not you can leave and go pro, and Ben Brown will have a decision to make. Does he want to stay? Does he want to keep doing this, or is he ready to go? Sometimes you're just ready to go. Maybe he's ready to go. But Ben Brown's draft stock isn't what it was as a guard. And you like Ben Brown, but as a center, it's a different ball game for him. So a year coming back for him might boost his stock to, I'm not necessarily saying first, second, third round, but I don't know if he's draftable right now. And you could easily make your way into the later rounds. Now, in the later rounds, if you get far enough, you're one of these guys, you're kind of rooting to be an undrafted free agent because you control your destiny. Yeah, that's that's certainly the case. Once you get to the later rounds, you definitely want to, um, you, know, you definitely don't want to get drafted. A team already has a bunch of guys at your position because <clears throat> when you get there, no matter what you do, if those guys don't get injured, they're going to play the guys that that they um, that they're paying or, or, or that that they have more you know interest in, and you're likely going to be a P squad guy at best. But you know, we talk about all these guys. You know, hey, should they go? Should they stay? You know, they all have options. I mean, listen, you don't leave college unless you know you're a first, second, or third rounder. I mean, that's that that's just that just is what it is. Some of these guys, you know, that are juniors, they have that they shouldn't even be thinking that. They shouldn't just get to enjoy their. They should make sure they get a degree and they should adore, enjoy their last couple of years of college. And if, if they so happen to to be that big time of player and get drafted, so be it. But man, some of these guys would be really risking going out there and, 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 you know, missing out on a potential chance to go and have a great senior year in college. Cause I mean, the NFL goes fast, man. Once you, once you decide to go and say, you don't get drafted, 
you could literally go into a little rookie mini camp for two days and that could be all she wrote for you. So you could be surpassing your senior year just to go try out for two days. So you got to be careful leaving early unless you know you're a bona fide player. And, it, and you know, it's I think it'd be more beneficial for them to be in college and and getting better. But, um, you know, the, the leaving early thing only applies to the elite. I mean, that's that's just that's the way it's always been. And now I feel like there's too many guys leaving early and going undrafted. It's actually sad to see, to be honest with you. There's there's a lot of guys that have made the decision to go and they end up undrafted and they're out of the league. And, you know, you, you could have just enjoyed a good a good senior year in the SEC and, and played some good ball. But that's advice that now seniors have to follow as well. Ryder Anderson, you have an extra year. It would benefit you to come back potentially. Hal Northern, you're actually starting to show now that you can provide something as a defensive tackle. It benefits you to come back. Yeah, I mean, you got to think we're, we're naming a lot of defensive players, which, yeah. you know, I, I get it, dude, we're the, we have, we're ranked pretty, pretty far down there on defense. If we, if, assuming we had that many NFL players, I don't think that our defense would be this bad. So well, no, my, my point yeah. is this though, like Lakia Henry, um, John Haynes, Ontario Drummond, Braylon Sanders, Sam Williams, T. Tisdale, Dean Leonard. These are all seniors, right? Mm-hmm. While we can talk about Sam Williams, come back. It would be good for you. Ryder Anderson, come back. It'll be good for you. T. Tisdale, come back. It'll be good for you. Some of these guys aren't going to have that opportunity because the coaching staff are going to encourage them to leave. Because that's a part of this now, too. That's part of the equation. That's part of the math now. So, John Haynes, it's really important. If you want to keep that door open for you to come back, you need to have a really good final four games. Or if you're Demarcus Gregory, you're a redshirt sophomore. You're draft eligible. There's going to be a numbers crunch. Where are you? Dean Leonard, you were signed to provide an instant impact. You haven't done it. Now, he's been described by Lane Kiffin as a potential future NFL draft pick. Cool. We haven't seen it yet. Will Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, and staff evaluate Dean Leonard and say, you know what? We want him to come back. That's part of the equation now, too. So it's not just going to be about the players themselves making the decision. It's also going to be about the coaching staff. Just like in the NFL, they're signing to replace you. In college, they're recruiting to replace you. Jalen Jones, the worst thing that could have happened to him is have another injury. That sucks. That absolutely sucks. So Jalen Jones, your almost career could theoretically be over, even if you do want to come back. That's part of it too now. And that's what we have to consider. And that's the harsh reality of what these kind of decisions mean. Yes, it's a positive thing for the players. It gives them more agency. But it also makes the game that much more cutthroat. If it trims the rebuild time for coaches, it also allows for coaches to make more cutthroat decisions, such as personnel, deciding that, yeah, this player, we know what he is, but let me go with the upside guy. Even if he wasn't terribly highly ranked, I like the upside of this guy and what he could potentially be over this known commodity. Yeah, that's that's certainly going to be – I mean, yeah, unfortunately, that's just the nature of the beast. Man, there's going to be some tough decisions made, and the coaching staff has to make those. I mean, they're, they're building for the future, and if they feel like a guy is at his peak – and potentially could not help out the team um, any more than than a, a younger guy coming in that they can develop and train them in their system and and mold them to exactly what they want. You know, it's just it's going to be as it is what it is. That's that's what the NFL is to the T. I mean, they they they, they cut guys all the time that, that you think are a good football player, but they're kind of at their peak. And you look up and you're like, man, why is this guy getting cut? He's a he's a known commodity. He's a good player. But you know he's just at he's at his peak, and they're they're ready to train the next guy for um for to develop them to do, do exactly what they want and, and only have the habits that they taught them. So, um yeah, it's it's going to be an unfortunate thing. 
thing, but it's going to be a decision that the coaches are going to have to make for the, for the best interest of Ole Miss and the Ole Miss program. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I'm right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Got Barrett Salee coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But I want to tell you real briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe. And that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years. As red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football. And make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Celebrate. Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered. And no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with a delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like. Simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at allensamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distanced, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. All right, as we were recording this, Brad, I was looking at the SEC schedule on Google. I can't promise you that this is accurate, but the Google machine tells me that now at 2.30 is Tennessee and number five Texas A&M. LSU and Alabama is not happening. Arkansas, Florida is happening, but Sam Pittman, he's not coaching. Georgia, Missouri, Vandy, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Ole Miss. We won't focus on all the other games, but now we at least know that maybe the CBS game is Texas A&M and Tennessee. Does it feel like that a loss to South Carolina this weekend, and I know both teams are two and four. Ole Miss has won nothing, has done nothing to say we deserve to be the double-digit favorite that we are against South Carolina. But would it not be a disappointment if you don't beat this South Carolina team, knowing what they did last week and the trajectory of that program and that team 
compared to what your trajectory is supposed to be right now? Yeah, um, man, I, I looking at that line, it's it's amazing that that we're a double digit favorite. Um, somebody knows something that I don't know, but um, yeah, just looking at South Carolina, they they've obviously they've had a, a rough couple of weeks. But if you look back early in the season, man, they they beat Auburn, a team that beat us. So that's that's a scary thing. And really, Ole Miss, all we've done in the last three weeks is we beat Vandy, who is you know we know is not a very good team. And the two weeks before that, you know we 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 had a rough go at it. So. Um, I definitely would be disappointed if we don't win this game and, and we're a double digit favorite for a reason, for reasons that I don't understand. But um, I think this game is a must win um, 100% if we, if we want to kind of get the momentum back going in our favor. And um, I think we win this one. There, there's We have five and five right in our scope at least. I agree with that. Here's the thing I want to know. As a former player coming off of a bye week, what is the preparation like? Is there a drag, a lull during practices, or do you pick right back up where you were? What is it like? When you're coming off a win, I'm sure it's much more easy to step back in and get back to work and do everything you need to do to prepare for a team coming up on Saturday. But what is it generally like going into game week off of a bye week? Um, as a player, I always particularly hated bye weeks. I thought that there was they always seemed to come at the time whenever we were kind of rolling or – or had some momentum and, and most of the time we came back, we came back kind of flat. Um, we weren't where we were when we left. Um, you know, I, I, I particularly, I, I just, I just struggled with them over, over the years. I didn't like them because, you know, kind of got you out of the routine. It kind of got you out of the rhythm and you maybe lost a little bit of wind, but I like to keep rolling when you're rolling. So um, they're going to have to do a good job of picking the energy up and, you know, making sure that, that they understand this, this game means a lot and it has a lot riding on it, you know, just, just to finish the season with the correct momentum and, and all that, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of them, and they definitely can can warrant themselves to some to some lull type type performances just just from the um, you know the the lack of practice the week before that that long weekend off. So um, we'll see how we respond. Let's hope that they have the right attitude and hope that they're they're prepared to make a run here down the stretch because I think it's right there for the taking. If you're Ole Miss, this is the game that you win. If you are on an upward trajectory at this point, Will Muschamp is a dead man walking. Ole Miss fans, all in a Lane Kiffin. Both teams are two and four, but it doesn't matter. One feels like it has momentum. The other one doesn't. So this is the type of game that you win. You've got to win a game like this. And Will Muschamp said on Sunday, he's opened up the starting quarterback job to competition this week. So yes, Colin Hill, who's been the predominant starter, he's pretty much taken every first-team snap, Colorado State graduate transfer, he's splitting reps with Ryan Halinski and Luke Doty, for the Ole Miss defense, Jacquez Jones said it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. What they do doesn't change. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at both quarterbacks and see, you know, what, what each of their styles are. But, yeah, for the most part, they, they're going to do what they're going to do, man. I mean, you can't just go change the whole offense midseason. So, um, yeah, I mean, whoever they roll out there, it should, it should be much of, much of the same. Brad's keys to the game. I think we got to come out there and we got to get on them early. I mean, they're, they're a snake-bitten team. I mean, they, they've gotten really um, – you know, they've got, they've took some, some beatings the last couple of weeks. So you get out there and you let them know that it's going to be more of the same. I think you get, you, you get on a nice, fast start. You at the bye week, you should have a little more energy. You should have, you know, fresher legs. So let's get out there and, um, you know, get, get on them early in offense. And then, then on defense, let's create some turnovers. Just keep doing what the defense has been doing. Honestly, they've been playing well enough to where Ole Miss should beat Arkansas and Auburn. And they played, you know, decent up in Vandy. So keep doing what they're doing, and then our offense comes out and, and, and starts fast. I think, I think, we, no doubt, should should get all over this team. Final score: 
I got Ole Miss. We're going to put up. I got us putting up 41. So South Carolina's. Mm, I'll give them 28. Ole Miss's defense. Are you buying it? Are you buying that it's improved a little bit? I'm not saying it's good, but incrementally they've at least provided resistance to opposing offenses. So you're buying that if you're only giving 28 to South Carolina. Not that South Carolina's offense is any good, but Ole Miss defensively, they've shown some signs of life. Yeah, they've shown signs of life, but they've also the, the competition has dropped tremendously yes, yes, from sure. from Alabama and Florida. You know, those were the games where they really gave up a ton. Then you look at Kentucky's running game. Too. Kentucky's got one of the best running games, you know, out there. So you, you look at their first three games that they really got off to kind of a bad, bad statistical start. And after, after that, I mean, most teams have been, you know, at least reasonable competition. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's more – it's a little bit of both. I think the competition's not near what it was um, at the beginning of the year, and they have gotten a little bit better. Ole Miss had one of the very toughest schedules to start the year of any team in college football. I'm not just saying that. That's not hyperbolic. That's true. Go look it up. Ole Miss had one of the worst or toughest starts as far as schedule of any team in the country. So knowing how tough it is, it would only make sense then. Some mean regression would actually happen, and that's what's happened with this Ole Miss defense. I don't know if necessarily it's any better, but the competition is definitely not what you started with. And that's a big deal, and that helps. And if you do have some success and you start to see a little bit of success, even if Auburn isn't very good, that certainly helps the confidence. And it allows you, if you're DJ Durkin, to continue to implement the things and build on the things that you hope to build on coming into the year defensively. All right, Ole Miss basketball today is the opening of the fall signing period. As you're listening to this, Ole Miss might already have the signatures of Deshaun Ruffin, James White, Grant Slayton. I was told yesterday that's all Ole Miss was expecting. Not to say that there won't be a surprise, but that's all Ole Miss was expecting. And if that's the case, the number 28 class in the country, ranked fifth in the SEC, Deshaun Ruffin, he's obviously the biggest get of all of them. Number 35 player in the country, four-star prospect, point guard, big deal. But Ole Miss is not done in the slightest. I mean, transfer market, Ole Miss will be back in that in the spring, and there's a chance of a reclassification that could help Ole Miss as well. So uh, that's basketball. Baseball this is the Omaha Challenge Week, and then the Pizza Bowl, which ends fall practices, is on Sunday at 1 p.m. No fans, unfortunately, are allowed to attend, but we'll have full coverage of that on the Ole Miss Spirit of Baseball concluding, as well as the basketball fall signing period opening today on this Wednesday. But that's it. Let's go to Barrett Slee on the Modern Woodman phone line. Before we do, let's say bye to Brad. Bye, Brad. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and for the 247 Sports. Barrett Salee of CBS Sports coming up now on the Modern Woodman phone line. Let's first hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. This is Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. 
For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, going now to the Modern Woodman phone line. It's my buddy. It's Barrett Salee, at Barrett Salee on Twitter. College football writer for CBS Sports. Does TV for CBS Sports HQ. Radio for Sirius XM College. You're like the busiest man in college football, dude. Well, you know, uh, idle hands are the devil's playground, so at least this way I stay out of trouble, right? Yeah, and it helps keep your mind off of the Braves blowing it, which is devastating <laughs> both of us. Yeah, that one, that one hurt. That one hurt. But hey, you know what? Still going forward. Still, uh, still looking bright here uh, in Atlanta for, uh, for the Braves moving forward. Where were you when the final out was made? Did you watch the final out? Because I cut it off the minute the ball went in the air, and I knew it was going to be an out. I, no, I did. I was uh, out on my uh, uh, patio, screen and patio, watching with my uh, nine-year-old. I kept him up till midnight. Um, and I wanted him to see the celebration because, I mean, let's be honest, he's going to see a lot more uh, teams celebrate, um, you know, wins over the Braves in the postseason. So I yeah. said, hey, son, get used to it. But this is, <laughs> it sucks. This is how life is as an Atlanta fan. Yeah, I have guarded my oldest who tried to get into Braves fandom. I've kept her away. I said, no, you don't want this life because this life is tough. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. So, no, I've, uh, I have – I've trained him as well as I possibly can imagine to a point now where he's already got the right mindset for the Falcons. He said, well, if they can't win, why can't they lose and get the number one draft pick? I'm like, I think that's just not in their car. They, they do not know how to do that. They can't do anything right. No matter what it is. The Cowboys can't tank right either. So I'm right there with you. That's the thing. When you say you're a Cowboys fan, everybody rolls their eyes like, Oh, you're a Lakers fan and a Yankees fan too. No, the Yankees and the Lakers have actually won within the last 30 years. And you're a Braves fan. Oh, you're a Braves fan. No, this was the first time in 20 years that the Braves advanced in the playoffs. We are both fans of very tortured franchises, be it in football or baseball. It's not like there's any relief any year for us. Yeah, it, it pretty much sucks all around. Just pretty much sucks all around. There's no doubt. Well, I brought you on not to talk about the Braves, but you knew that's where I was going to go first because we haven't talked in so long. But this week in the SEC is a crazy time. COVID has hit a number of different programs. Auburn and Mississippi State, that game's already postponed. Auburn has suspended football activities. What's going on? It's an outbreak. LSU, everywhere you look around, there are a lot of games that are threatened this weekend because of COVID. So for those who haven't been paying too much attention, me included, what's going on? Yeah, Auburn is suspended activities. Mississippi State obviously paused in the case of their game. A&M uh, paused yesterday, paused Monday because of uh, some positive tests, and they do their contact tracing. Sam Pittman, the Arkansas coach, won't uh, won't won't coach this weekend against Florida. And I have uh, I have one explanation for this: Halloween. Halloween was 10, 10, 11 days ago, right? And it was on Saturday night. And last time I checked. College kids do like to party, right? Like that's 
generally how how the weekends go. So you combine that with um, you know with Halloween being on uh, on a Saturday and and you get some COVID outbreaks. And look, it's just, I know people are freaking out about it now uh, because people like to freak out over over this stuff all the time on on Twitter, which is not real life, but. This same thing happened after Memorial Day. The same thing happened after July 4th. It sucks, but it's the way things are. It's the way life is. And if, if cases are going up nationally, which they are, then I think it's fair to assume that when you have a holiday where young people like to go out and party, you're going to have an uptick in cases. Nothing's changed as far as what the end goal is, and that's just to get to the finish line, right? Because effectively, like you said, this is baked into the cake. We know what's coming, so get to the finish line. So if a game like Auburn and Mississippi State is postponed, you want to play it, you'll figure it out. This is all part of the SEC's process, of course, protecting kids, but let's be honest, it's about making money for these programs. That's what they're looking out for. So to get to the finish line, nothing has changed in that respect. No, and, and honestly, it's about making money every year. I think this year... It's just a little different because, you know, there is an inherent risk that uh, that we weren't expecting. Uh, but, yeah, getting to the finish line, I'm, I'm surprised that there there hasn't been discussion of moving the SEC cha- or championship weekend back to New Year's Day. And a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that the Rose Bowl cares too much about its silly little parade than anything else. But, um, you know, moving everything back to give teams or conferences more room to – to reschedule games because obviously Auburn Mississippi State got moved back to that that one universal bye week before conference championship weekend. But you know LSU and, and Alabama, you know they are in jeopardy this weekend too. And LSU's already had Florida move to that December twelfth game so date. So do you not have that game and play Alabama LSU, or do you not do anything and cancel Alabama LSU altogether? I I don't know, but. It's just it's uh, – Gus Malzahn said it during their press conference when they announced that they're causing operations. It's the season of change. You're going to have to adjust, and um, everyone's doing their best to, to do that as, as, as appropriately as possible. And there's no, there's no blueprint for this. That's, that's what I keep saying. It's like we're all kind of figuring this out on the fly. I think the SEC is figuring this out on the fly too. I, I would count the SEC among that. And that includes not just protocols necessarily, but fines or discipline – what are you finding? What are you disciplining? It's just interesting that an Ole Miss can get fined $100,000 for failure to follow their mask protocols, and yet you have these outbreaks. So Ole Miss hasn't had an outbreak, hasn't had to stop or suspend operations, and yet they got fined for that, and you're not getting any fines when a coach has to stay home or a number of players get suspended. It's a very weird line that the SEC is trying to walk here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you're Lane Kiffin, I'm sure you're wondering why you lost $25,000 and Dan Mullen lost $25,000 for completely different issues <laughs> with lanes being completely benign. So uh, yeah, it's, it's they're I, I don't even know if they're doing the best they can. They're just trying to, to, I think, get, get through the season and, and try to do it as, as quickly and as, as efficiently as possible. And um, the fines though, you know, especially with the Dan Mullen thing, you're going to find a guy the same amount as Lane Kiffin for instigating a fight when Lane, all Lane did was tweet. <laughs> and then, and then, 
completely ignore the fact that the guy you're fining $25,000 for, for instigating a fight also wasn't wearing his mask, which is, you know, whether you believe in that or not, it is still part of the rules and they actually beat things up because coaches weren't doing that. So I don't, it's, uh, yeah, they're in a no-win situation. I get it, but it's been, it's been a bad year for, uh, for the conference office in terms of, of trying to figure out how to, uh, to, to divvy out fines. That's my deal. I understand and I sympathize with the position the SEC is in trying to hand out discipline in any normal year. It's hard enough. And then you throw COVID on top of it. It's made that much harder, if not impossible. But understanding that, they still look so stupid. And it's so hard for me to understand how the league can sit in a room with a bunch of people who are smart people and say $25,000 for Twitter trolling for Lane Kiffin and then instigating a fight, not paying any attention to mask protocols for Dan Mullen. It doesn't make any sense, Spirit. I don't understand how the SEC continues to put itself in a place of ridicule, but I don't know if it even cares, to be honest with you, because in their mind, it's just old bus. <laughs> uh, well, it's also Lane. <laughs> it's not like he yeah. had a, yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a great relationship with the conference through the years, but uh, but yeah, it it is it's bizarre, and and I honestly I, I think that Mullen would have been punished more uh, had the Georgia game not been last weekend. So I, I think there's and that that shouldn't be the case, but I think that is the case. It comes back to the original point. It's the money. And it's getting through the season. Yeah. So what comes out of this week? Because LSU, Alabama, it's as we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, it's being threatened to potentially be postponed. I would be shocked if it isn't postponed. So if that game, look, nothing's going to change between Saturday and Sunday. So talk of, oh, we'll move it to Sunday or move it to Monday. That's not going to happen. There's also an NCAA requirement for an off day every single week. So what comes of all of this? If you're Arkansas, Sam Pittman will come back. You'll play that game. If you're Mississippi State, you'll resume activities. Auburn, you'll resume activities. You'll play in the mandatory bye week that allowed for such situations like this. But at the end of it all, and I know I don't want to put you on the spot too hard here, but I'm going to put you on the spot. What comes of this week? What does this week mean overall? Uh, I just think it's the, it's the week that, you know, that chaos happens because – uh, you're not you're whether it's LSU or you know Florida or whoever, however they um, you know shift around games, you're going to have a couple games canceled, and and the dominoes cannot fall in a way where everybody finishes the year with ten conference games like that. At this point, that's not realistic. So um, you know, yeah, it's it just muddles the situation up. Um, not really for the top teams, uh, you know, Florida and Alabama to me, I, I don't think there's any doubt that those two uh, are, uh, are going to be in Atlanta at this point, but it's, it's just, it's going to be a little chaotic um, because I would imagine the teams that we've had, you know, so far this week announced issues, they're probably going to be more, you know, especially as, and this was a concern that a lot of administrators had and coaches had, if you're not in the thick of the conference championship race or you're not in the thick of the national championship race, kids are going to stop listening to you. They're going to stop, um, you know, obeying those protocols um, as, as much as they have before because the season's kind of lost. So yeah, there's, um, there, there's more, there's more to come. I would imagine. Look, you're far more plugged in. This is why I called you. You're my buddy, but I can trust that you can tell me what's going on. 
I haven't paid attention to the national landscape all that much. So you tell me how the college football playoff decides which four teams are in it and why or maybe what is the case against not expanding it if only for one year. I understand probably that's because if you expand it for one year, you ain't going back. But how do you pick the teams? Yeah, the, the two-faced can't be put back in the tube if you expand it. I, I think that you know, you're going to have uh, teams with different number of games and different number of players who have you know been eligible or not eligible or all that stuff. Trevor Lawrence and you know, he's going to miss two games. So how do you judge Clemson when one of those was the loss, even though it didn't really matter all that much. It was, it was the defense, but uh, I think you're going to have to rely more on the eye test. You know, these, these, those committee members are going to have to, and really this was going to be the case no matter what, because there's, there's just so little in terms of, of comparison that you can make from conference to conference because, you know, very few teams played out of conference games. So uh, it, it really hasn't changed all that much. It's just going to be more about the eye test and, and really, that that lends itself to you know a couple SEC teams getting in or a couple of ACC teams as long as they're they're ultra talented because those those coaches and those you know administrators on the selection committee will look at those rosters and and see a bunch of NFL players and that's going to matter even if um, you know an undefeated Cincinnati is out there or or something like that so um, it hasn't really changed all that much just because um, you know that that was the case before all of these midseason. Uh, changes and and will be after. What will the bowl season look like? Will we get a full slate of bowls? And do you anticipate some capacity? Because what's in it for the bowls if they can't have some fans in the stands? Uh, I think we're not going to get all of them. Uh, we've already seen a few cancel, but um, I don't think the fans in the stands thing is an issue. I mean, those, most of those bowls are TV shows anyway. In, in fact, most of them are owned by ESPN. So um, I don't necessarily think having having fans in the stands really matters all that much. Uh, I think the exposure for the city, um, the, 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 ta- the, the donations and the charity work that uh, the Bulls provide for their communities is big. Uh, and, and really, that just depends on having the game. No, it doesn't really necessarily matter on attendance, about attendance. So um, I think we'll have a lot, uh, not all of them, but uh, what do we have, 43 to start the year? I would imagine we probably get 30 of them in. Yeah, that's a big number. If Ole Miss gets to four wins, that means two and two in their final four. How appealing is a four and six Ole Miss team with Lane Kiffin for a bowl? By this year's standards, pretty appealing uh, because of Lane, because the offense is really exciting, uh, and because there really is no minimum. There's no there. You know, anybody can be invited to any bowl, and so uh, yeah, the the, the tie ins are going to be a part of this. But if you're the SEC. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have Tennessee struggle. You're going to have, you know, some other teams that probably are not going to, or probably have a, a, a four and six record too. And there's so many bowl slots and none of them have been canceled yet that, um, that yeah, Ole Miss will be, be very attractive um, part, in part because of lane, but I think more because, you know, just from a, from an, uh, from a watchability standpoint, they are very watchable. If you put them in Shreveport on a Wednesday night during the middle of the holiday season, a lot of folks will be like, you know what? Get to watch that lane kitchen <laughs> office. Get to watch Jerry Healy. Yeah, I'm in. Why not? What is your impression of Ole Miss in year one under Lane Kiffin, watching them from an objective point of view? Uh, going in the right direction. Uh, you know, he's clearly an offensive wizard. Uh, we know that. We, we've seen that before. And then now – um, you know, obviously with what he's done this year, it's, uh, it's been pretty impressive. And so I think 
that's going to set the tone for recruiting. Um, and, you know, I think he'll put more of an effort into junior college once their seasons wrap up in the spring. Uh, and, and you're going to have a lot of really solid players in an offense that is potentially great. I think the biggest thing is, you know, recruiting those defensive players and he's done a pretty good job of that. They've got to figure out how to, uh, how to consistently be good in the red zone, be good on third down. It's not going to happen this year, but you're, it's, it's an attractive place for players to go. And, and that's because of Lane Kiffin and the work he's done so far. What is the coaching carousel going to look like this offseason? What jobs are actually going to come open considering the financial ramifications of all these programs? I don't think many. Uh, I, I think South Carolina and Vandy are the two in the SEC that even really have a pot chance of opening up um, because I think at this point both programs are probably fed up with their coaches because they've seen it too many times. Uh, outside of, of the SEC footprint, um, you know, USC and Clay Helton's always out there. Uh, they were not happy with him through three quarters of the opener on Saturday. And um, if they start losing, then then things could get pretty dicey for him. Outside of that, um, I don't think you're going to see an awful lot. The financial uncertainty is such a big deal. And, you know, I think on the other side, you're going to have a much different look to coaching contracts anyway. And, and because of that, I just, I, I think it's, kind of crazy to to do it unless you are 100% positive that you're willing to to take a significant financial hit. A notable omission there, Barrett, was Auburn. Yeah. Well, Gus is again, he, I refer to Gus as the world's best okay coach because he'll beat, <laughs> he'll beat Alabama. Like he look, he's he's the most successful SEC coach against Nick Saban of all time. Like that's not Hyperbole, like literally, that's the truth. And so he, he'll he'll get some stuff done right. Like that's he's he's a good coach in certain situations. Sometimes he's awful, but I I, I, I urge Auburn people every time this comes up, like who are you going to go get? You know, who can beat Alabama more than what Gus Malzahn has done? Like, I can think of one guy. <laughs> That beat him Dabo. twice, but uh, but another that beat him twice at Ole Miss. Oh, okay, but I love you, uh, but he, the double secret probation stuff I think is still a problem. So you don't buy that he's going to be back in the SEC next year? I know he wants to be. Uh, oh yeah, I do, I, I do too, Barry. That's why I brought it. That's why I set this whole thing up. Yeah, uh, I don't think that that thinking would be for that. I, I don't think that the, the SEC and the feelings they have about him are, uh, are under the bridge at this point. So I would lean toward no, um, because again, you know, it, Gus is still doing a pretty okay job. He's the world's best okay coach. So do you want to, to make that move knowing that you can probably do it next year if Gus struggles again? I, probably, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's, it's a great idea. Hugh Freeze at Auburn would be awesome, but I think that, you know, you, you got to see what Gus can do because you know Gus can, can win, win you some, some big games. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. And isn't it, for Gus, a prohibitive buyout this year that goes down next year? And for teams that have to yeah. consider the – okay, so then that makes a lot more sense. I know that South Carolina, I'm already seeing it, the online push for Hugh Freeze. I know Freeze would love it. Big golfer. Perfect area for him. My fascinating thing is, 
What if Texas comes open? And what if, and I know this is a huge what if, and this is the last thing, this we'll end it on, just because I want to throw this at you because I hadn't talked to you in a while and it's fun. Texas comes open. Lane Kiffin wins out and goes 6-4. and four. That's beating Texas A&M, which I think is, at worst, the third best team in the SEC right now. They, yeah. they want to make a splash. They could dump money on Lane Kiffin. Maybe UCLA. He loves Cali. They finally want to make a splash. They tried with Chip Kelly. didn't work. But dang it, we'll try with Lane Kiffin. Is there a scenario where Lane Kiffin becomes one of the hottest coaching candidates again if they were, like, to win out? Yeah, that's a scenario for sure. I, I think that people would want – I think most AD – and look, I think the, the criticism of Lane Kiffin from a personality standpoint is ridiculous. Uh, he's fine. You know, he's he's a good dude. Um, I, I think the perception from ADs is that he's risky, which I don't think is accurate, but I think that's that's the perception. So one good year at Ole Miss, is that enough to sort of, you know, counteract that reputation? It should be, but I don't think it is. And so, um, but if, man, if Texas came open, that would be fun. But I I just think, I think he's happy at Ole Miss. I think that, um, that, that, yeah, he's probably going to be a really hot coaching commodity at some point, but it's just it's hard to imagine that after one year in any climate, much less the, the climate that we're in right now. All I'm saying, Lane Kiffin, he can't turn down the life-changing money, go to Texas, and then Hugh Freeze comes back to Ole Miss. There's your story. You're a national guy. Boom. I've given you all the talking fodder you need. But, yeah, but apparently all the oil money is going to dry up when, uh, when oil becomes a thing of the past in this country. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I said we were going to talk politics <laughs> stuff, but here we are. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He's Barrett Salee. He covers college football for CBS Sports. Thank you for doing this, man. It's good talking to you. Good catching up. We'll do it again. Yeah, man. Feel great.